0: We all do things our own way, and since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited-edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details.
1: Out front next, breaking news, 11 hostages freed from Gaza will speak to a man reunited with his mother and another still waiting for his daughter. Plus three Palestinian college students in the ICU after being shot in Vermont. The alleged gunman tonight pleading not guilty. The police chief in charge of the investigation is out front. And Putin's war, Russia now losing nearly 1,000 soldiers a day in Ukraine, as a shocking new report claims to have uncovered another $50 million yacht linked to Putin. Let's go out front. Good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, the breaking news. Eleven women and children are now back in Israel after being held hostage in Gaza for 52 days. There are nine children and two mothers. And as we speak, they are now being reunited with their families. We have new video from the Israeli Defense Forces showing the moment the 11 women and children entered Israel. We also have propaganda video from Hamas, which CNN is choosing not to show. But we do not have any independent video of this moment. Today's exchange coming as Israel and Hamas have agreed to also extend the fragile pause in fighting for two more days. Today's freed hostages joined 58 others who have already been released. But there are still 187 people still held by Hamas tonight. They include Itai Regev. We've been following his and his sister Maya's story since the October 7th terror attack. They were abducted by Hamas at the music festival, where more than 260 bodies were found. I had the chance to see their parents and their father. Elian played a record recording of a conversation he had with Maya, a conversation happening as she and her brother were attacked. <laughs> Miraculously, Maya is free tonight. She is back, and her mother spoke about her injuries.
2: Our Maya is fine. She's a real survivor. She underwent surgery. She's in rehabilitation, still on painkillers. It is very hard for Maya to be with us and Ite to be in Gaza. It is a wave of emotions that is hard to describe.
1: The Regevs, along with so many other families, are still waiting and hoping for their loved one to be freed. And others in that list include the family of Liat Benin, whose story we've been following closely here. She is one of two American women still known to be held by Hamas. She was actually expected to be included in the first 50 hostages that have been released, but so far still no sign of Liat. In a moment, I'm gonna speak to her father. But first we begin tonight with Matthew Chance, Outfront Live in Tel Aviv. Matthew, you just spoke to a family member uh, of several released hostages. What are you learning about their time in captivity?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible just listening to the ordeal of, of Maya there it's so important to try and understand that that trauma continued during the weeks upon weeks that these people have been held as hostages inside Gaza. There were these emotional scenes at a hospital a couple of days ago with that young boy, Ohad Mundar, running into the arms uh, of his father. I think we've got video of that. His mother's right behind him. Uh, They'd just been released. His grandmother's there as well. Well, earlier today I was able to speak to a relative of that family who's been to see them and, and to give us an idea of, of what they went through when they were in the Gaza Strip. Take a listen. Did she indicate to you if she was kept in a tunnel or in a cellar or in kept,
4: a house? She was kept uh, in, in different, and, uh, different places. Um, she doesn't know exactly where it is because they took them from place to place, but they were all together, all of them, the three of them were together all the time but I can tell you that they ate, but they ate a lot of uh, rice. Uh, sometimes they, they didn't have rice, so they ate only bread. It wasn't that they were eating, you know, fruit and vegetables and vitamins and whatever uh, things that you need. She told me that if you want to go to the toilet, you have to knock on the door and only wh- after one and a half hour, two hours, they open the door and you can go to the bathroom. They weren't beaten or tortured. They, got, uh, they, they, they were in a closed uh, room. They weren't with them. The, the room was locked and they were by themselves and that's it. Yeah. And Let sometime... me ask
3: you about Ohad briefly, because one of the images that's, that I remember most is when he was handed over to the Red Cross by a masked gunman and he was being held very tightly by, by one of those masked um, figures. You saw that picture. Yeah. When you saw that, what did you think?
4: I saw their faces. They were so scared. They were also scared. What uh, um, they told me that on the way with the ambulance, the people in Gaza just uh, were on the on the the car, and they moved the car from play. You know, they they, they like yeah. The car. and they had the why? Because they don't like us. <laughs> They knew that in the an hostages... Yeah, in an angry way, of course. The, the, the citizen or the whatever, I don't know exactly. She doesn't know exactly. But it, she said that it was very, very scary.
3: Very, very scary, very frightening. What an ordeal. And of course, that, that ordeal is not over because many of these hostages who have been released, they're coming back into a world and finding out that their loved ones, their neighbours, family members, are either missing or, or killed or, or, or held hostage, uh, and so there's that trauma that many of them now have to deal with as well, Aaron.
1: Right, right, the trauma that the world has seen for fifty days that they, in so many cases, traumatically and tragically, were not fully aware of. Matthew, thank you very much, and I want to go now to Barak Ravid, foreign policy reporter for Axios, longtime uh, Israeli reporter uh, and expert. So. Brock, what are your Israeli sources telling you about why they believe Hamas is now choosing to extend this truce by at least two more days?
5: Good evening, Erin. I spoke to several Israeli officials about this, and and I think that the overall assessment is that uh, Hamas is hoping for, you know, something to happen. Meaning, uh, they don't look too much into the future. They take it day by day and they say, okay... Today, the Israeli operation is still on pause. Tomorrow, it will still be on pause. The next day, it will be on pause. Maybe we can get another few days if we bring bringing more uh, hostages and release them. And then, if, if we take enough time in this pause, maybe something will happen. The Israelis will rethink the operation in the South. The international community might pressure Israel not to resume the operation. I think that's, when I ask Israeli officials, this is what they mm. think that, Hamas is, is thinking right now.
1: And of course, uh, with 187 hostages still remaining at least, uh, they could afford to drag this out for a few more days at the current ratio of return, right? And, and get more of a break and still have a lot of uh, hostages totally. if, they, if they wanted to do both. All right, So, so Pr- Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, told President Biden that Israel will then though, Barack, resume the war against Hamas with quote unquote, full force when the truce ends. What does full force exactly mean compared to what they were doing before? <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Netanyahu said it as part of his, um, you know, for domestic political consumption. Uh, but I think that there's, a, there's an understanding, overall understanding inside the IDF, that what happened in northern Gaza is not going to be what's going to happen in southern Gaza when the operation resumes. Mm-hmm. Meaning, it's, northern Gaza was mostly empty. Uh, of uh, of, uh, of uh, civilians when the IDF came in with the ground forces. Southern Gaza, you have 2 million Palestinians. Uh, Israel will not be able to go in with three armored and infantry divisions and just go in on all, all our assault in Southern Gaza. So what we're going to look, what we're going to see, is much more of a specific targeted raids on certain specific targets. Hmm. It will still be very, very hard because we're looking at a very... Uh, populated and dense
1: area. Yeah. So, Brock, there are two American women that U.S. officials had expected would already have been released by Hamas, but they have not been freed. What are your sources telling you about them?
5: So, again, I don't, I cannot tell you this, you know, 100%, but I think part of this confusion when when John Kirby, uh, the White House spokesman, uh, spoke this morning and said that they hope that two women, two American women, will be released today, he did that according to uh, the list that Hamas sent over overnight. And this list uh, was something that the Israelis really did not like, because what it did is that it did not have children and mothers in the same list. It separated the families. And instead, it had two women that I think at least one of them was an American citizen. Mm. Uh, and after long hours of negotiations, what happened is that Hamas took those two women out of the list and brought in the mothers, and I think this is what maybe what happened.
1: Right, and the question is whether they will be coming uh, soon. And I know wonderful, of course, news for those families, but but so hard for those uh, those families whose names were were removed from the list. Barack, thank you so much for sharing uh, your reporting and, of course, all of your uh, incredible sources uh, with us. And, and as we're just talking about here with Barack, U.S. officials were expecting, and in fact, as he said, John Kirby announced that two American women would likely be among the hostages released, but that still has not happened tonight. Liat Benin, a dual-American, Israeli-American citizen, is still in Gaza, and we have followed her story closely on this show. And out front now, Liat Benin's father, Yehuda. And Yehuda, uh, you're back with us now. You are back in Israel. I know that the United States had expected your daughter would be part of the initial group of hostages. Still, though, tonight, we understand she is a hostage of Hamas, even tonight. What is even going through your mind right now as you wait Yehuda
6: well uh, obviously I'm disappointed um, but uh, uh, we remain optimistic uh, and hopeful that uh, her release will come in the in the next day next two days and uh, we'll see. I I need to, I want to remind you that we're also concerned about Aviv, Liat's husband, uh, whose situation is uh, considerably different from that of Liat's, Uh, and still uh, we're we're very concerned. Uh, And uh, we we have no choice uh, but to remain, other than to remain hopeful.
1: Have they told you, either the Israeli government or the U.S. government, anything specific as to how Liat's husband is being held and why his situation seems to be worse?
6: Uh, We know that Aviv was wounded on the day of the attack Uh, and... Other than that, actually, we have no knowledge whatsoever uh, of even where he's being held or who's holding him, actually. Uh, So, um, obviously, this lack of information uh, and lack of definitive uh, news is uh, very concerning.
1: Yehuda, we've heard from the U.S. government, the Israeli government as well, uh, but that Hamas is not holding all the hostages, that some of them are still being held by other groups in Gaza that Hamas may not fully control. Have you been given any information as to whether Liad or her husband are being held by those groups, or or do you simply have no information about that at this time?
6: We... Both my wife and I suspect that this may be the case. Uh, I don't uh, have um, specific information uh, regarding who's holding our daughter or Aviv. Uh, It just seems a a reasonable conclusion, given the, uh, the course of events up till now.
1: Yehuda, I saw you a few days ago in New York before the ceasefire. Uh, you are in Israel now, and you returned to Liat's home in Kibbutz Neroz for the first time. Yeah. And, and you, you took some photos that you've chosen to share with us and for anyone watching. <sighs> Can you tell us more about what you found there?
6: The, the house. Their house uh, has been uh, thoroughly looted and and subsequently burned. Uh, the uh, the images I think speak for themselves. Uh, As that a level of depravity here, uh, includes no no strategic uh, value. Uh, to what was under their home. Uh, and it's just very sad uh, to see uh, people sink to this level of depravity. Um, it, it's very, very disconcerting.
1: Well Yehuda, our thoughts are with you. I hope that you will have good news uh, about both of them very soon, especially as the ceasefire has been extended. So our thoughts are with you and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and for sharing those images too. Thanks Yehuda.
6: Okay, thank you, you're welcome, bye.
1: Next, the police chief investigating the shooting of three Palestinian college students in Vermont is my guest. Was this a hate crime? Plus new intelligence pointing to near record numbers of Russian casualties every day on the battlefield in Ukraine. As tonight, we have never before seen video from the trenches. This is a story you'll see first out front. And is this one of Putin's most prized possessions? A $50 million yacht. I'm going to talk to the reporter who actually went there and tracked it down.
0: We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.
1: President Biden speaking out today about the shooting of three Palestinian college students in Vermont. The boy's family saying this was a crime fueled by hate. Police say that this man, Jason Eaton, walked up to the three college students and fired four shots. All three students are still in intensive care tonight. Jason Carroll is out front.
7: I believe the family's uh, fear that this was motivated by hate. These young men were
8: targeted because they were Arabs.
7: One of the victims' uncles sharing a family's fears about what they say could have been a motive for Saturday's shooting in Vermont. Hard to imagine in this time and with everything that's happening that
9: it was just a random act.
7: The three victims, Hishan Aratani, Tashin Ali Ahmad, and Kenan Abdul Hamid are Palestinian, All are 20-year-old college students in the U.S., lifelong friends, visiting one man's family in Burlington on holiday break. The three were out for a walk Saturday night shortly before Two were wearing Palestinian scarves when they say a man suddenly stepped off
10: a porch, walked toward them, and opened fire. They were walking down the street, uh, essentially minding their own business. Um, and they were uh, speaking in a mixture of English and Arabic. Aratani has the most
7: serious injuries, with a bullet lodged in his spine. Ali Ahmad was shot in the chest, while Abd hamid was hit in his glute. Please stop, there. Shortly after the shooting, police swept the apartment building where the victim saw the man step off the porch, but it was only after a second canvas late Sunday
10: that they found the man they were looking for. The ATF agents were greeted by a man who uh, stepped out of the hall, out of the door towards them with his palms up at waist height and stated something to the effect of, I've been waiting for you.
0: My name is Jason
7: Eaton.
10: 48-year-old Jason Eaton was arraigned Monday on three
7: counts of attempted second-degree murder.
1: Mr. Eaton enters a not
7: guilty plea to all three counts. Police found a semi-automatic 380 pistol in Eaton's apartment and say it was purchased legally. The same brand of ammunition recovered at the scene was also found in the apartment, according to a police affidavit. In an interview with the Daily Beast, the 48-year-old's mother described him as kind and loving and a very religious person, but also says he previously struggled with depression.
2: We do not yet have evidence to support a hate crime enhancement. I do want to be clear that there is no question this was a hateful act.
7: And, Aaron, Attorney General Eric Garland uh, said today that the investigation into whether or not that this is a hate crime is ongoing. All three of the victims are in ICU. And it should be noted that the family says, Aaron, that for a while these three young men were actually educated in the West Bank. But the family thought they would actually be safer being educated here in the United States.
1: Aaron. All right, Jason Carroll, thank you very much. I want to go now to the Burlington Police Chief, John Murad. And Chief, I appreciate your time. So I understand uh, as your teams have gone into that apartment, uh, you've been able to seize a hard drives from a backpack, five, five iPhones, five iPhones, an iPad, other personal records from the suspect's apartment. Can you tell us more about uh, what you found? And is there any doubt in your view that these college students were targeted because they're Palestinian?
10: Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, thank you for having me here tonight and for asking these hard questions that are actually hard questions for us as well. Uh, We did find a lot of electronic equipment in that apartment, and we're going to be relying heavily on our partners at the Federal Bureau of Investigation in order to do the kinds of investigations that they do very well with regard to finding, are there materials on those electronic devices that indicate this person's motive, that allow us to impute an idea that he was doing it for some reason? Are there manifestos, for example? Are there writings? Are are there social media or email histories that are indicative of a a thought pattern that would lead us to a motive, and a motive particularly one that is directed uh, at a a group of people in the form of what we would call in Vermont a hate crime enhancement. We don't have that yet, and we are working on that. There's no one with common sense who can think about three young men, two of whom were wearing uh, keffias, who were speaking a mixture of English in Arabic walking down a street to suddenly and randomly be without apparent any apparently any other motive attacked by someone and shot by that person and not think that that seems like a crime driven by hate but for the law and the state's attorney in the clip that you previously showed drew a distinction between what is a hate crime and what is a hateful act. I think this absolutely was a hateful act and it certainly is an act that we must find hateful, that we abhor as a community, as a people, Uh, But whether or not we can cross the legal threshold in order to determine that it is a hate crime is a different matter.
1: Uh, When you went to his home to arrest him, I I understand that he said to your officers, I've been waiting for you. Has he said anything else?
10: No. Uh, he has not spoken. Uh, we made efforts to begin the rapport building that would precede an official Mirandized interview, and we were not able to get that. He was consistent in asking for an attorney. What I can say is that we inform, when we informed him of the charges against him, uh, telling him that he was going to be charged with attempted murder times three, he was affectless in his response uh, in a way that was uh, certainly notable to the detectives.
1: Hmm. And jarring, I can only imagine. Um, I know one of the students suffered a spinal injury. They're all in the ICU. Do you have any update on their condition?
10: I'm afraid I have nothing more than what was given today at the press conference, and that is that one of those individuals, yes, has a a spinal cord injury that is going to be a lasting long-term injury uh, with with potentially lifelong repercussions. Another is in a more serious condition owing to having been struck in the upper torso, uh, but does have a a good prognosis. And the third who was struck in the lower extremities um, is is possibly going to be released today or, or in the very near future.
1: I hope that that's the case, and uh, I know anyone watching, gosh, their heart goes out uh, to those other young men whose lives have been changed forever. Thank you very much, Chief. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And next, fire, explosions, desperate cries for drones, new and never-before-seen video from the front lines in Ukraine out front next. Plus, Elon Musk in Israel tonight changing his tune after major backlash for his endorsement of an anti-Semitic post. The editor of a prominent Israeli newspaper calling it a PR stunt by a, quote, blatant anti-Semite. Tonight, major losses for Putin. According to the UK Ministry of Defense, Russia is now suffering more than 900 losses every single day. That is higher than when Putin had that brutal assault on Bakhmut in March. This is happening in a massive battle right now in the town of Advika in eastern Ukraine. And it comes as CNN tonight has never before seen video from a Ukrainian soldier who recorded his terrifying experiences in the trenches. Anna Koren is out front.
11: In the pre-dawn light, a cacophony of military firepower fills the air. Incoming explosions, outgoing fire. As one of Ukraine's assault infantry units of the 47th Mechanized Brigade, tries to take back trenches in Avdivka, captured by Russian forces. We need drones, we need drones, says company commander Oleg Sentsov, filming on his GoPro. The bastards are sitting in the tree line shooting at us, he explains. In a rare interview, the former filmmaker, imprisoned by the Russians in 2014 for five years, tells me about last month's mission in what has become one of the hottest spots on the Eastern Front.
3: My goal was for people to watch
7: this and know what this war is really like, because it's very important to record it so that people know now and know later what a cruel and terrible war it is.
11: One of his troops has been hit. They remove his body armour to reveal a bullet hole. As they apply a chest seal, the team has even bigger problems on their hands. Duck, the tank is coming, yells one of them. And then the war from the sky begins. Drone, drone, FPV, cries a soldier. I see it, another shouts back. Minutes later, another soldier is hit, this time shrapnel to the legs. While talking on the radio, reporting on his injured troops, Oleg also gets hit, but doesn't realise for a few moments. There's a small hole, I see the blood, you're bleeding, says the female paramedic. Quickly patched up, Oleg remains focused and composed, until suddenly they hear the rumble of tanks. Oleg's unit tries to bury themselves in the earth as one drives by. The female paramedic cries, We are surrounded, the tanks are shooting on us. Approximately 40 tonnes of terror so close, the earth is shaking. Drone footage taken by the Ukrainian military shows four Russian tanks firing on the tree line. Positioned in those trees are three Ukrainian assault groups in trenches spread out over a kilometre. Oleg's unit is in the middle. They were the only ones to be spared.
7: We failed to hold our position and had to retreat. We had injuries but survived. But the other two groups were almost completely destroyed.
11: This is the first time Oleg has failed a mission as commander in the almost two years that he's been fighting. The 47-year-old tells me he wants the world to know the truth on the front line. A war this father of four is returning to this week. Erin, this is the reality on the front line. This is what the war here in Ukraine looks like. And recently we heard from the Commander-in-Chief of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, General Zalushny, who said this war is now a stalemate. As fierce and bloody fighting continues on both sides just to hold ground. Aaron. Erin. All right, Anna, thank you
1: very much in Kyiv tonight. And as Putin's forces are now suffering losses of nearly 1,000 men a day, a stunning report identifies a new $50 million yacht reportedly linked to the Russian president. The Dossier Center, which is run by Russian opposition figure Mikhail Khodorkovsky, tracked the yacht's path from Sochi to Istanbul. According to this new report, the yacht is a massive one, 232 feet, with two master cabins, an elevator, grand common areas. Out front now, Ilya Rostosvensky, the reporter behind this story. And Ilya, I very much appreciate your time. You have gone and tracked this down yourself, traveling to the shipyard in Istanbul. You captured the drone footage that we are showing right now. This is footage you did on a drone. You can see the large letter V on the yacht, which is also a signature used by the Russian military. Can you tell us more, Ilya, about the inside and outside of this yacht?
12: Yes, hi, thanks for having me tonight. It's uh, it's a huge vessel. As you mentioned, it costed more than $50 million. But as we found bank documents, we also found out that during the last three years, it also costed more than $20 million to maintain the ship. So basically, 20 years ago, when Vladimir Putin wanted to have to possess some yachts, he decided to go, well, basically the same route as he goes every day. When he has any problem, he goes either to, to the army or to the intelligence. So he went to the Sevmash military plant. It's a notorious plant that is mostly famous for building nuclear submarines. So 20 years ago, he placed two orders. One was for graceful. It is widely known now his yacht that was built for eight years and last year in 2022 it was sanctioned by the u.s government and the second order was for the Victoria, 71 meter long yacht it took at least 14 years it's enormous time to finish this vessel and we also know that Gennady Timchenko, Vladimir Putin's, one of the Vladimir Putin's closest friends, was responsible for the construction of this vessel. Oh, basically, Timchenko is responsible for all types of amusement for Vladimir Putin. And yes. he is the one in charge of all his main vessels.
1: And, and, and obviously to point out, uh, if this is indeed a, a Putin yacht, as you point out, one of the main ones sanctioned, but this one not, Uh, And you do report, Ilya, that the yacht is frequented by the gymnast, the former gymnast, Alina Kabaiva, who is reportedly the mother to multiple children with Putin. You found a photo of one of her friends in front of the yacht. But the yacht, of course, Ilya, is not registered to Putin. How are you sure that it's his?
12: Well, unfortunately, nobody ever photographed Vladimir Putin on board of this vessel, but that's a shame, and we're desperately working on this issue. And hope I hope one day we can show you the photos. But that's the same problem with all Putin's assets. He never was photographed uh, inside his notorious palace on the shore of the Black Sea nor he was photographed on the board of any of his yacht. But we have lots of indirect uh, evidence. So we've seen the route of this vessel. It frequently, Victoria frequently goes to Vladimir Putin's palace on the shore of the Black Sea. We've seen the crew lists and we've seen lots of people there from another vessels of Vladimir Putin and from the intelligence also. And we also tracked, tracked the money that was used for the construction of this vessel, and it's pretty much the same scheme that was used for the construction of the other vessels of Vladimir Putin.
1: And it certainly seems like from all that spiderweb, uh, as you point out, it appears uh, those roads all lead to Putin. And again, an unsanctioned uh, yacht at this time. Ilya, thank you very much for sharing uh, your reporting thank with you. us. And next, Elon Musk in Israel with a new message tonight.
2: Those who are intent and voter must must be neutralized.
1: Is it because he's facing up to 75 million dollars in losses at X? And she was just released from the hospital, to di- hospital today after 50 days in captivity. I'll talk to her son about their bittersweet reunion.
2: Essentially, these, these, these people have been fed propaganda since they were children. It's remarkable what humans are capable of. If they're fed falsehoods from when they are children, They Will think that the murder of innocent people is a good thing.
1: Well, that was Elon Musk today in Israel. And he was meeting with the Israeli president there, Isaac Herzog, along with the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He also visited a kibbutz destroyed by Hamas terrorists. Musk making the trip amid intense backlash because he endorsed an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory on X. So now he's in Israel. That post is costing him business. Major U.S. companies like Walt Disney, NBC, Warner Brothers Discovery, which owns CNN, have all pulled ads for Max. Nick Watt is out front.
8: The world's richest man, taken by Israel's prime minister to a kibbutz, attacked by Hamas October 7th. The terrorists infiltrated into the
11: kibbutz itself.
8: There were umbrella bearers. Musk took some pictures. The editor of a prominent Israeli newspaper calls this a PR visit, calls Musk a blatant anti-Semite, accuses Netanyahu of amoral sycophancy. The backdrop to this visit? Well, Musk recently replied, you have said the actual truth to a tweet espousing anti-Semitic tropes that Jews push hatred of whites and promote minority immigration to Western nations. That theory also espoused by the man who murdered 11 Jews at a Pittsburgh synagogue in 2018. Many accuse Musk of overseeing the descent of X into a cesspool of hate, particularly since October 7th. A self-described free speech absolutist, Musk bought Twitter, now X, for $44 billion. That investment is now in danger. There's an exodus of heavyweight advertisers over the hate, which could cost X $75 million by year's end, according to internal documents seen by The New York Times. Musk has said claims he's anti-Semitic could not be further from the truth. Today, we could not reach him for comment, but Musk and Netanyahu had a chat live on X. They agreed on a lot.
2: Those who are intent and voter must, must be neutralized. Uh, then uh, the, the propaganda must stop. Um, and, then, and then making uh, Gaza prosperous, and if if, if, if if that happens, I think it will be a good future.
6: Well, I hope you'll be involved in it.
8: and I'd love to help. Israel's president implored Musk to help fight anti-Semitism.
6: You have a huge role to
5: play, and I think we need to fight it together, because Correct. under the platforms which you lead, Unfortunately, there's a harboring of a lot of old hate, which is Jew hate, which is anti-Semitism.
2: We have to do whatever, we, whatever is necessary to uh, stop the... I mean, essentially, these, these, these people have been fed propaganda since they were children.
8: We, uh, in the Jewish faith, believe in uh, repentance uh, and atoning for one's sins. Perhaps that's what's going on right now, but we'll have to see what happens on his platform. Now, Elon Musk also controls Starlink, which is an internet satellite service, which makes him a big player in Ukraine and the Middle East. Now, Musk pledged to let aid organizations in Gaza use Starlink. The Israelis were not happy, saying Hamas would use it for terrorist activities. Now, today, an Israeli minister posted that they'd reached an agreement with Musk that Starlink units would only be used in Israel and Gaza with the approval of the Israeli government. We have not been able to verify that as of now, Erin.
1: All right, Nick Watt, thank you very much. And next more on the breaking news out of Israel. One of the hostages released tonight, finally out of the hospital and her son is out front. Plus we're learning that former president, Jimmy Carter who is 99 years old will be at his wife's memorial service. And of course he will not be alone. Tonight, one hostage's story of survival. 77-year-old Margalit Moses reunited with her family after being released from the hospital. She's a cancer survivor and now a survivor of being held hostage by Hamas after their terror attack for 50 days. Out front now, Yair Moses. His mother, Margalit, was released by Hamas on Friday and his father, Gadi, is still a hostage. And, Yair, I really appreciate your taking the time to share with us, everything that that, that you know at this time. And we just saw the first images of your mother being released from the hospital today. And I'm just playing a little bit of that now, uh, so people can see her. (laughs) <laughs> Just incredible. Uh, how is she doing?
9: But at first it was, ex- I was there, but it's exciting to see it too. Uh, she's she's okay, you know, um, considering 50 days uh, in the conditions she were, but yeah, she's she's okay. So we, as you see, we, we left the hospital, so uh, physically she's okay. She's speaking with us, she's telling us what happened. Um, of course, full recovery will take uh, some time, long time probably, but uh, but we are happy she, she's with us at home.
1: I, I, I can't even imagine in those 50 days, obviously, there, there had to be plenty of them where you thought maybe you wouldn't ever see her again or ever see your father again, and, and that was a reality that you would have to, at some moments, I'm sure, in the darkness, look into. What was it like to actually be reunited with her when you saw her?
9: Ah, it, it was amazing. It's something you, you cannot explain the emotions, the excitement, the happiness. It's a it's, it's a pure joy that comes out of you after so many days. And because of we allowed ourselves for a day or two to be very happy and now we are back working for, for my father. Of course we are happy and everything, but it's not over yet, and it's not just my father, it's many, many more people that need to be brought back to Israel.
1: And your mother spent 50 days as a hostage. Uh, the only video we have of her release is the video that Hamas filmed and released, uh, which, which we are playing now. That's the only footage we have at all. What has she shared with you so far about those 50 days?
9: Well, unfortunately, we cannot share too much about it because uh, some personal things or, and also some... Uh, some information is, is important to keep the security of the people that are still there. We don't know to hear what happened. What I can share is her feelings. And, and she was confident and sure that she will come back home. And she did whatever she could in order to to keep positive and, and be active and feel vital in order to to know that she's still needed and, and can help. She's tried to help the people there. She tried to, to do things that... To be, to be active, not just sitting and waiting. And, and thanks for that, I believe. This has gave her a lot of strength to, and also to others, that they will come home.
1: Your father, Gadi, is still being held hostage. And I know, looking at you, you have not shaven your beard. You've been very clear since October 7th. And you say you're not going to do so until your father is free, till he is home. Now, we exactly. do know uh, there there's just been an announcement uh, from, from Qatar that there will be a day extension for the truce does this give you hope that your father may be home soon
9: i i of course but unfortunately currently this this deal this agreement is talking about women and 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 children and unfortunately my father is not either of them but but it's a big big problem because all the people there and especially the elder people we don't know their condition and i'm sure The U.N. only organization and um, Red Cross can and must do much more in order to see them, to put some more pressure on Hamas, to make sure they go to visit and tell us the the condition and the status of all the hostages there. All
1: right, Yair, thank you. Thank you. And next, from former presidents to every living former first lady, we are learning tonight who will be at Rosalind Carter's memorial. And tonight, a final farewell to former First Lady Rosalind Carter. The casket carrying her remains is now at the Carter Center in Atlanta. And tomorrow, her husband, 99-year-old former President Jimmy Carter, is expected to attend his wife's memorial service. He will be joined by all the living former First Ladies, as well as by President Biden and former President Clinton. Rosalind Carter died peacefully at her home on Sunday, the age of 96. Our coverage of Rosalind Carter's memorial service starts tomorrow at noon Eastern. Thanks for joining us. AC 360 starts now.
0: We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night.